Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Great form by you hitting play on this podcast. Now, check out Same Racer, the brand new racing app for Same Race multi-tips. Same Racer. Download from the App Store and Google Play. Powered by Bluebet. Gamble responsibly. Call 1-800-858-858. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. With us and welcome if you're just joining us on AFL Nation. Our pregame show is for Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. We are at a sun-drenched MCG today. Beautiful blue skies overhead. Melbourne and Adelaide both out there having chats. A little bit of a kick-to-kick. So the bounce after 2 o'clock today. Sam Hargraves to call the action uh, alongside a couple of just very, very good footballers, coaches and uh, human beings. Michael Barlow, Johnny Barker here as well. We're going to catch up with uh, Melbourne GM of footy and performance, Alan Richardson, very shortly. But, um, gents, before we talk more about this game today, we've been working through the results from uh, yesterday and we've spoken previously about the Hawthorne and Western Bulldogs, 27-point win to the Hawks. We've spoken about Brisbane and Collingwood. We spoke to Calamar Chi about their 95-point win uh, over the Pies. Uh, Johnny Barker was uh, very good in his insight of Carlton's 95-point loss to Port Adelaide. Geelong and St Kilda yesterday. I called this game uh, with Adam Cooney, Jordan Canellis on AFL Nation. And we're speaking about it a little bit off air, Johnny Barker, that Geelong are, you made the point that Geelong are the masters of doing just what's, what's required and needed uh, yeah. at the moment in their game. So they conceded the first five goals, obviously not required or needed, but they kicked the last two of the first quarter in, in the last two minutes. And you just, sort of, you just sort of got the sense then that, okay, they've... They've woken up, they've dragged themselves out of bed and, and here they go. And um, seven goals between Cameron and Hawkins. Uh, they changed some matchups. Steele, uh, who had 21 first-half disposals, O'Connor went to him and he finished with 30. Uh, and then they were able to tighten up on Max King, who had uh, kicked 2-1 and some couple of big clunks in that first quarter. And then Geelong, in the end, 14-point winners. Yeah, they, look, they have an efficiency about them in terms of the way they control the ball when they get the ball in their hands. And we were talking a little bit about the fact that, that they have got an older list and um, even in their defensive, in, in, from a defensive aspect, um, they've got a ground that is long and skinny. A lot easier to defend from a team defence point of view. They've got some great intercept markers, um, although Stuart looks like he's uh, going to be in trouble now, but they have an efficiency about them. St Kilda just got out of the blocks and, and they, have a, they have a tendency to be able to score quickly and yep. they use really quick ball movement. They're electric when they're on. Um, but as you said, the, the 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 cats, they pressed, they pumped the brakes, got got that game back into an arm wrestle, started yep. to control the ball, and and what the Saints need to drive that energy is they need mm. ball in hand, they need to be able to get it and go, and and the and the cats just denied them denied them that ball, and some just some really nice effective ball use, controlled, changed angles. Uh, the, the the way they go inside 50 at the moment, got great connection between their mids and their forwards. Um, but as you said, I think that they did what they just had to um, yesterday and they, they got the job done. Yeah, and you looked at the start, 5-1-31, St Kilda. Mm-hmm. Cats were duck eggs and you're thinking, 
Saints are starting to come. And Hello. It's, so, yeah, and that's the, one, that's the situation. Brett Ratton would just love to go back in time and call the time out at that point and be like, oh, this is going to come. Hindsight is a beautiful thing in this game. But it was just yeah, a mountain of possession to the Cats and their style does transition beyond just Tom Stewart being in the side. Early days, it was like, oh, gee whiz, they're going to miss him. Zach Guthrie is not going to be Tom Stewart, but it is next man in. You've got to play this role and, and try and implement that role to, to a level, um, of which Zach Guthrie had a career game, I reckon it was two or three weeks ago, against uh, North Melbourne uh, from memory. But he's, he's the one that's now going to get a big opportunity to solidify his spot in the back six there for the Cats. Um. The uh, well, the Saints uh, hadn't um, Saints hadn't actually won down there in their last nine games. So it's ten in a row they've lost to GMHBA Stadium. They've um, they haven't won there since nineteen ninety nine. Um, Nathan Burke got three votes uh, in the Brownlow that day. So it's been a long time down there. And you mentioned Zach Guthrie. Just on a side note, and we will straighten up a little bit after this, but is he a dead ringer for Wendell Borton? The, uh, <laughs> well, if I knew who Wendell Borton <laughs> Wendell was. Borton is the quite pasty <laughs> classmate of Bart Simpson uh, in The Simpsons. Ah, right. Oh, right. Is that the uh, one that eats the glue? No, that's Nelson. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's sorry. not Nelson. That's Ralph. That's Ralph, Ralph Wiggum. But look up Wendell Borton. He's mm. a dead ringer mm. for Zach Guthrie. It's one of the great lookalikes in the well, game. Well done. Yeah, um, skewer. Obscure, but, but but <laughs> spot on. Uh, now, uh, getting back to the to the football at hand. So you mentioned Tom Stewart, the Liz Frank. He's got to have surgery on that. Mm. Chris Scott said afterwards that they're still hopeful <laughs> that he might be able to make it back. With the Hawkins dangerous tackle on Dara Joyce. So you would think, given by what we've seen at the the MRO, that that he will initially be suspended, and then it's about whether. That gets challenged. So, in light of what they've done with other ones of these tackles, so Nick Holman, yeah, is, it, is that yeah, that's the that's that's the, the one most, that looks yeah. yeah. So, and he and, and rightfully so, Nick Holman had that overturned at, at the tribunal. But it, at the moment, it looks like you'd get Hawkins sided. Now, I think Dangerfield has been sided as well. I've got to check the email from the MRO as well. But I think he'll be right for it. Was a very very late collision, but he clearly got a big shove into it. So, I think that. Um, that will be no dramas for, for Paddy Dangerfield. But it may mean, if the worst-case scenario happens, that they go into, well, next week against Melbourne um, without their number one key defender and their number one key forward. That's a uh, scary proposition, isn't it? Yeah, they're <laughs> isn't at the, and at the moment, they're on top of the ladder. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Oh, look, I, I, I don't think that would uh, make a massive massive difference but um, as you said they, they become so rounded in their game and so well balanced um, Mickey that I just I don't think uh, that like, I, I can't see Hawkins going out for that it, 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 I thought there was a, a quite a reasonable tackle and it was just a little bit unfortunate that he had the both arms in but it he didn't, didn't think there was look, a second he didn't look to really um, drive him down um, other than just using his weight in the in the, in the initial tackle. And he's a, he's a, a big a, human. Bigger, a bigger human than the, the player he's tackling. And yeah. Joyce was injury subbed out uh, as well, which... Mm. Um, it doesn't help. No. Mitch Duncan on the Nick Holman tackle. Refresh my memory, Sammy. Was he subbed out? I'm going to get Benny to check it out. I think he was. I think he was. Yeah. But I'll we'll, so we'll double check that. So he's despite the... Um, by the way, we, I, similar don't, outcome. I don't think there was genuine malice in it as well. I no. think what you guys are saying is 100% right. And you saw Hawks' immediate concern for the player. He, he actually didn't follow the, the footy. The footy was still in the vicinity momentarily, and he, but his, all his care was with yeah. Dara Joyce, which was a great display. Yeah, well. I yes, Duncan was injury subbed out. Mm. Yep. Yeah, I think there's, there's 
rarely, if ever, malice in you know football. They're, they're decent human beings. And they're not trying to to hurt their opposition. Well, I saw, I saw one yesterday. I'm interested to hear if you two saw this one as well. It was the the big turning point in the Port Adelaide Carlton game where it was a sad tackle on uh, Boke, and it was adjudged a, a two two action tackle and into the ground he goes. Travis Boke's head was nowhere near the ground. He actually tried to bring his head to the turf to con or bring the umpire's attention to that it may have been two actions. So it's amazing how these players actually adjust on the run to understand all this. And Travis Boke, high footy IQ player, draws the free kick out to that. So that's a dangerous precedent that has been set now that if it, it wasn't a big swing at all, it was a, a there was two actions. But Travis Boke, as he was going down, he placed his head on a tilt to to try and make contact with the the turf. Which um, yeah, I didn't actually see that one, so that's going to be another wait and see, and that's going to be massive for Port Adelaide. Yeah, they're, they're smart players. They'll they'll, they'll utilise the the edges of the rules as, as well as they possibly can to get their get a free kick um, paid uh, in their direction. I must admit there was some. Um, we were talking about this earlier. There's some questionable <laughs> um, um, umpiring decisions yesterday against the Blues. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Couldn't believe a couple mm. of those calls. But um, mind you, the umpires, by and large, do a very, very good job. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Jeremy Cameron, I mean, this he's come in for his 11th game of the year. He's averaging 2.9 goals a game. The only one with a better per game average is Harry Mackay. Um, he's kicked four yesterday, and it's, it's a concern that there's been three hamstrings. But, I mean, he just shows how pivotal he is, and especially if they are on, the, on, on any chance that they won't have Hawkins. But four goals in your first game uh, back in five or six weeks, Johnny Barker goes to show his bona fides. That's a, uh, that's a solid return. Um, yes. You know, just wanders back in and um, kicks a lazy four. I, I just like what that does to their forward line in terms of dynamic. He, he's, he's a... He's a real mover, smooth mover. Yep. Hawk, is, Hawk can always give you that, that long contested uh, mark and contest um, and, and is brilliant with his little double-back lead-ups, you know, creating a little bit of space for himself in front. But Jeremy Can- Cameron, he's the type that just goes on those long, searching leads. He can, he can rip to the open side when they change direction. Um, it, it just adds that extra dynamic, mm. makes it even harder to defend that team. He'll take you up, the old take you up, and then just spin <laughs> you around. He'll take you up and then just race you back. So. Duncan, uh, just getting back to that tackle, Duncan missed the week after as well. Mm. And, and we're getting a few people off the text, uh, others, some saying he'll get off because he plays for Geelong. Others <laughs> who are, are considering uh, the Duncan case saying that Holman only had one arm, not two. And Holman also turned Duncan. Hawkins didn't. Uh, distinguishable case. Hawkins goes for mine. And that will be the thing that gets drawn in also. The other thing too is that Joyce had already disposed of the ball. So the impact will be looked at and also the lateness of yeah, okay. it. So whether it was reasonable for him to have put him into the ground in the way that he did, given that the ball had been disposed of. Again, don't think Tom Hawkins has put any malice in that at all. Mm. He's just a very, very big and strong man, and when he tackles you, you stay tackled. Yeah. It's um, a, you're getting a little bit too complex for me now, Sam. <laughs> well, what happens it's a Sunday to afternoon. Just... <laughs> Come on, mate. <laughs> what yeah, happens to be able to just tackle someone? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Play on. Um, we've got a few texts that are coming through as well um, that we want to get to, because this is a great one. Ask the question before, when has a team finished uh, – 
on top of the ladder or in the top four, having not beaten anyone in the top four. We asked that about Port Adelaide, and this is a wonderful text in a number ending 571. I've gone and double-checked it. Um, Hawthorne won the 2008 flag in the, after having finished top four without beating any of the other three teams during the season. So the other three teams were Geelong, St Kilda, Western Bulldogs. 100% right. I've gone and checked. They didn't beat any of those three teams in the regular season, yeah. but those three teams are the ones that they beat in the finals to, to win that grand final. Well, you were I, assistant coach. Then, I was. I was coaching um, St Kilda, and we played the Hawks in the prelim. Um, I think that was Robert Harvey's um, last game for, for, for mem- if my memory serves me correct. I think you're right. Um, yes, it was. We did beat the Hawks that year uh, when I was at, at the Saints with Rossi Lyon, and, um, but they uh, once they got that, Press up and up and yes. going, and and the in, in the grand final, the um the the cats squandered a lot of chances in front of goal, and and uh, the Hawks just uh, kept themselves in it, and then went away with it late in the late in the last. Alan Richardson's going to join us on the other side of this. I love this text. Great to hear the fresh footy review commentary from John Barker and Michael Barlow. Impressive. Shout out to John Barker. I hope you somehow stay actively involved in footy, maybe the media. And as old Fitzroy <laughs> supporter, you were such a heart and soul oh, player. Is. Best wishes, guys. That's from Gary. Pendlebury, Gary. thank you, Relation. Gary. Thank uh, you. Really appreciate that. And so keep those texts coming through. There's a few more that we're going to get through as well. But Sounds Alan like Richardson judge. and the GM of <laughs> footy and performance <laughs> will be with us next Sorry, uh, on uh, – no, mate, please keep it coming. On AFL Nation for Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. Afternoon. The phone line is open. Thanks to Southern Phone. Great value NBN broadband offers from Southern Phone. Southernphone.com.au. I like this one. Sam, you're kidding yourself. If you think he had disposed of the ball, it was in the tackle. He got rid of it. A good tackle, not worthy of a free kick. Uh, no sling. You cannot penalised for that. You cannot get penalised for that, surely. Uh, I was just presenting uh, some of the counter-arguments. As I said earlier, I think he should get off that. I think it was a desperate lunge from Hawkins to apply the tackle on Joyce, uh, who had got rid of the footy, but uh, it was momentum carried forward that I think Hawkins uh, was is... Uh, is looking at there. I don't think that it was a double motion. I don't think it was a sling either. So I actually do agree with you. I was just presenting some of the issues that might confront him when that uh, situation is being looked at. How, how good are you at dealing with a clip? I love, I'm loving yeah. this composure. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, I have seen... Johnny Barker, please don't show weakness to the text <laughs> yeah. machine, otherwise they will come for you and they'll come for your heart. I love the way you're dealing with a clip. You know, the, look, I, I have been in coaches' boxes and, and uh, in footy clubs where um, those clips... They, they get responded with, with yeah. front foot action, don't yeah. they, Mick? Yeah, yeah absolutely. And you, if you spend enough Sunday crunch times with Sammy Hargraves, uh, you just become accustomed to it. I'm immune to it. I wasn't even listening to him have another go back at the texter because it just happens. That's and very, I love it. very nice I of you, but it. we're not here to talk about me and uh, or my poise or lack thereof because, trust me, there's, plenty of, time, there's plenty of times when I do, <laughs> plenty of times when I don't respond in the way that I should. Hey, uh, very lucky to be joined by a special guest, and it's timely as well because we do have a late out in this game for the D. So who better to tell us all about it than the GM of football performance? Alan Richards has been good enough to jump on the phone with us. Richo, hello. How are you guys? Uh, we're very well, thanks. Hey, what can you tell us? I thought I saw Stephen May out there uh, not too long ago, but uh, won't be suiting up. No, no, unfortunately he didn't quite get the line really close. Um, just still a little bit sore from the weekend's game over in Perth. Um, we gave him every chance, but didn't quite get there. Really confident that uh, that'll be fine for next week. But uh, no, disappointingly, he won't play. And Joel Smith gets his first crack of the year. Uh, 
set some really good VFL form, so we're really keen for Smithy to have a crack. Uh, Richo, Mick Barlow, it might have been that extra 30 minutes you played there at Optus Stadium in the fourth quarter last week, went off, and Stephen Ooh. May, the old body, just couldn't uh, couldn't get back out there and warm back up. Yeah, no, it was an unusual circumstance. Obviously, there was the 30 minutes, and then there was... Um, they didn't reset the clock, so our defenders were looking up at... Uh, periods of the game where we'll generally slow things down, and we we went we did it way too early because <laughs> they were getting a bit confused. It was at 59 minutes at one stage, uh, and so they were trying to do their math out on the ground. We probably failed them a little bit with communication, but um, no, no, it was a long it was a long time on legs game, and um, unfortunately, our incredibly reliable last line defender hasn't got up. Mm, football is a math. It's not uh, not their strong point, Richo, I think. But uh, in terms of Adelaide today, the opponent today, yes, you look at the ladder situation. You guys up in the top four and, and Adelaide down where they are. But they, they're the side that uh, gave you your first loss at Adelaide overall early in the year and, and tried some different things with the ball to, to counteract some of your intercepts. So have you, re- you reviewed that game in, in preparation for today's? Yeah, we have. We have. Um, I mean, they're a little bit different, so are we. Uh, from that time, you're right. They 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 played really well. They they came with a with a plan. Um, Nixie uh, went into a little bit of detail post game about you know focusing on our defenders and limiting aerial ball and laying out lowering eyes on entry, having a go at their offense from a rebound perspective. Um, and uh, and they did that really well. We, we look at ourselves and think that was probably our worst defensive performance. I think. I can't remember the exact score. Um, it, was, it was high 90s both teams, which is not the way that, that we've been playing all year. So we were disappointed, but, you know, they were terrific and, and we're planning for them to, to be at their best and go after a similar plan. Richo, Johnny Barker here, mate. Um, good luck today. Number one tackle team, number one contested possession differential, number one forward 50 tackles, number one contested marking team... There's some numbers there that are, that are telling you that you're playing the right way. That should give you confidence coming into this time of year. Yeah, Joe Blake, good day. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> we, um, we are really confident in the method. We, we think that, um, that we play the right way. Uh, you know, when you, when you look at how finals are played and, and, and how physical they are and, and how good you have to be when there's less time and space, um, yeah, we, we, we like the game played that way. It suits our, uh, our talent. We, you know, when looking at the method and how we're going to play, we looked at who we've got, and we've got some real boosts in the midfield. Um, we, we've got some real speed to complement our taller players forward of the ball, and um, and we, we certainly mark the ball well behind the footy. So, you know, it's it makes sense for us to play a method that suits those players. And at this stage, they've um, they've done a terrific job. We've had some blips, obviously. You're going to have to look at um, results over this weekend. If you're not at your best, you're going to you're going to fall short. Um, but no, we we think we're we're heading the right way, JB, and yeah. we think we have a method that's going to stand up when it counts most. Now, mate, there's a there's a guy I love watching play, Luke Jackson. He, he, his mm. contest is 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 outstanding. But how's his follow up for a big fella? What, talk us, can you talk us through a little bit about his journey and 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 who he is as a as a as a person? Yeah. Um, He's, um, he's got a bit of basketball. He's, he's uh, played for Australia as a junior, so he has that that you know the awareness that we've mm. seen over the years from the from the Pendlebury types. He's um, he never wastes a footy, but he doesn't look brilliant with the ball in hand technically. But it but it always works. Um, if I can give you a quick story to, to perhaps 
summarise what he's like. When Gorn went out of the team towards the back end of last year, Jacko came in as the main ruck. He did his hammy early in the game. He felt a bit of awareness. He spoke to the docs. It ended up being a pretty significant injury. He played the whole game out and was just outstanding for us. In fact, he got the, the mm. Rising Star nomination on the back of it. So that's what he's like. He's uh, he's an ultimate team player. He's um, He'll never get really big numbers because as opposed to peeling off to receive, he's probably more likely going to go and block or um, do something that would be for the benefit of others. Pickett's not dissimilar, really. So he's... Yeah, he's a special player. He loves the contest. He's clean in contest, and he executes in contest. So, uh, no, we like the way he's tracking. Richo, our producer, Ben, is uh, a dyed-in-the-wool D supporter, and if he didn't love Luke Jackson already, I can just see him <laughs> beaming, smile from ear to ear. So I think you've just let us in on something that will have him uh, even more beloved by the, the Melbourne faithful. That's extraordinary, and, geez, it's almost a dying art, the shepherd. Uh, we don't see it very often. Um, uh, just a quick one, Richo, uh, speaking to Alan Richardson, GM of footy performance from Melbourne. It was interesting during the week, and I know this is not particularly your area, but I just wanted to see if it's a, a feeling that had filtered down amongst the playing group. Um, the, the story in regards to the CEOs all meeting to discuss how the rest of the year might pay out and reported that Gary Pert was really big on that if, if finals can be at the MCG, even with no fans, and from a Melbourne point of view, given it's uh, the birthplace of uh, one of the oldest clubs in the game, that, that you'd love your finals to be here. Um, is that a sentiment that is felt by the playing group and, and the footy department as well? Or for you guys, is that not something that comes into your awareness because you're just concentrating on the job at hand? No, a bit of all of the above. So we'll, we'll you know, we, our attitude is we'll play anyone anywhere. But, no, we love the fact that our CEO is batting really hard for our footy program to give us the best opportunity to perform. Um, we would love to play in front of crowds. But yep. um, if, if we if we earn the right to choose because of the amount of games we win and that determines later position, which dictates where you play, then then you know we'd want to play at the MCG. Our hope would be that we could get our Melbourne fans there. I mean that's mm. so important to us. But yeah, the MCG is our home ground, and if we play well enough to earn the right to choose, then that's where we want to play. And have a look at it today, Richo. Sun drenched. There's probably nowhere you'd rather be, is there? No, it's unreal, isn't it? It's, look, if we <laughs> we don't hide from the fact that you know you, you you want to play in front of your own supporters, and our and our supporters probably have done it as hard as anyone, given mm. how little we've played and and the, and the fact that the team's been so positive. So that's been frustrating for our fans. The good thing is that they've been able to connect, you know, through social media with that footy club. You know, we we get a lot of messages of support. And, best wishes, so that's been brilliant, but um, now it's a cracking day out there. I'm sure it's going to be a terrific contest. I'll tell you who's really enjoying the day in the warm-up. It's Mark Choco-Williams. He's been around to every player in the warm-up <laughs> and annoyed them, giving them some sort of bits of advice on what they're kicking or how they're marking or how they're picking the ball up. Kicking Again, footies. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's energetic. How's his impact? Being a bit of annoyed you across the journey, of course, uh, Richard, but his impact uh, at the club in his initial year there? Yeah, no, look, he, Choco and I go back a away. I went to Scoresby High School as a, as a young Collingwood supporter and he was my PE teacher in, um, wow. in out of suburban Melbourne. So, um, And uh, obviously he was the Collingwood captain, so I was like a kid in a lolly shop. But he's, no, he's a beauty. He, um, you would know Mick having worked with him. He's, um, he's always full of knowledge. Um, there's not a role that he hasn't played. He's had success. I've never seen anyone who's driven 
to, to make sure that the group that he's working with or the player that he's working working with gets the most out of themselves. He's quite challenging, um, but he challenges in a way that builds self-esteem and uh, he's been a real acquisition to our footy club. You're right, he, he, he can, being the manager that has to make it all work, uh, he, he keeps me busy at times, but um, <laughs> it, it's it's for the betterment of our program. He's uh, He's been a ripper. Uh, we've really appreciated your time, uh, Alan Richardson. Thank you so much. Uh, before I let you go, um, Ben Brown's been a really interesting watch throughout the course of the year. Um, had to ply his trade for long periods when able to in the VFL. But the, the, the thought was that it might have been an area where you just needed somebody uh, to straighten you up ever so slightly. And his performance last week was fantastic against uh, West Coast. And not only the ability to kick goals, which he's always good for a, a couple or three, but aerially as well, it looked like he was flying for marks. And we don't, it's not often what we associate with Ben Brown, but he really stepped up in a major way and, and looks to like he's going to be, come September, a really important piece of the puzzle. Yeah, no, we're really pleased with the way Brown is going. You're right. Um, if you picture Brownie, he's best. You know, when the kangaroos were going well, you'd say that you needed to get flow on the footy. And, and, and I'm not saying that's not true, but what Brownie's been able to do with, with the work that he's done with Greg Stafford and the direction of, of Simon Goodwin is to make sure that he's also uh, quite competent when it is a contest and we do just need to dump the ball forward because of opposition defence or pressure. And, um, yeah, I've been really pleased with that at times outnumbered to bring, you know, Pickett and Neil Bourne and Spargo into the game. He's, um, no, he's certainly, he's certainly exciting. He's got really good footy smarts. So I, I like him when he gets the ball high too because he executes so well. Mm. He knows what forwards wants when he, when he kicks the ball. And, no, he's, he's definitely heading the right way. A uh, quick update on Tom McDonald before we let you go. Yeah, Tommy, um, Tommy's not long got off the training track and went really well. So, um, yeah, I'd be surprised if he wasn't absolutely in the frame for the, for the Cats next week, which is, uh, which is exciting. Viney was able to play one of those practice matches today where clubs organised amongst themselves and he was quite dominant. So, um, you know, and if Stephen May pulls up the way we expect him to, they're, they're, you know, there's, there's three players that will it'll certainly come back into our team. So um, puts a bit of pressure on the boys today, which we like. You know, we, we did, you don't want to have dead rubbers. You, you know, we want to make sure we've got plenty to play for. And there's some individuals that will, you know, this will be a pretty important game for quite a few players out there today. And good luck with it, Alan. Thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Good luck. Good on you guys. Alan Richardson, one of the very good people in football, and we appreciate that access from the Melbourne Footy Club as well. And both teams out doing their warm-ups for Ream uh, at the moment. So Melbourne and Adelaide, uh, the bounce after 2 o'clock today, so still plenty to put on the table to have a chat about. Uh, 0433981116, John Barker and Michael Barlow are expert today. experts today for car sales. Sell your car in 24 hours with car sales, instant offer. And there's a heap coming through off the text. We'll address those in just a minute. I've got another clip here. Uh, but to Stu in uh, in Mount Beauty, absolutely, Stu. We know that wasn't a clip to me, the last one, and appreciate your message. We love the, the passionate uh, back and forth, and you raised a, a fantastic point as well, and uh, you're a good egg, and, and keep texting through. We appreciate that. This is our pregame show for Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. Back after this. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club.
Michael Barlow, John Barker with you at the MCG, our pregame show for Melbourne and Adelaide. It's for Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. And uh, just a shout-out for Ringers Western, who um, have been very, very generous fitting out uh, the big dogs as part of the AFL Nation call team, uh, who look absolutely superb uh, in the Ringers Western gear. Clothing looks great in the city and toughs it out uh, on the land. Uh, So for most of those city slickers who have been able to get that gear, they wouldn't really have known much about really good country wear that looks good in the city. So if uh, if it so happens that uh, they might want to send some my way, um, as being from, a country, well, from yeah, the country, I mean, I, I'm from the country. Yeah, f- fit the bill, I suppose, is what we're trying to get at here. But it must be said that Ringers Western gear is some of the best I've seen, and it, I'm saying this with uh, hand in the air, out and out. Raging jealousy, yeah, uh, because you, they, that's, that's how good they look, Michael yeah, Barlow. You, you, seeing it on yeah. other people, yeah, yeah, and uh, it, it should be on you. Incredible. Uh, a few off the text for you guys to sink your teeth into. Just this one first. Ooh, we on. had Alan Richardson on before, and uh, there was a story during the week that Gary Pert had been really strong in a CEO's meeting that, oh, no. uh, regardless of crowds, that Melbourne wanted to play any finals that they can at the MCG, uh, even if they couldn't have a crowd here. So I asked Alan Richardson about that. Is that a, a sentiment that's echoed through the playing group? Would they rather play in front of crowds wherever or or no matter what play at the question. MCG? And we've just got a text here. <laughs> Did that bloke just ask Richardson if the D... Who's that bloke? Wanted to, I think that's me. <laughs> wanted to bro? play at the MCG. Christ, leave me out. Yeah. Off to 774. Oh, you might have, and, I, and if I didn't explain, and if I didn't ask the question in a way that was succinct enough uh, for you to understand the nuance of it, then I do apologise. Um, and what I was trying to get to was: would you, would you even prefer to play even without crowds, yeah. or would you rather play in front of crowds? That, that was, was a, what we were sort of getting point at. Well made, Sam. Well done. No, well, I clearly <laughs> didn't ask the question uh, clearly enough. Mm. So I apologise to that person, and if they're still here, because they did say they're off to 774. So um, here's one for, for you guys. The argument that Port are no good against top four teams is a simplistic one. Look back at the teams that Port rolled out against the top four, and there would be at least five players out in each of those games who played yesterday. The fact that they were in those games and competitive shows just how dangerous they can be in finals. They have been able to cover injuries better than any other team, yep. and now they're at full strength coming into finals. That's from Adam. Don't mind it. Make some good points. Make some good points. You, but you still, what you're doing is you, you, you're basing your opinions off evidence. And, and the evidence at the moment, obviously, is that they haven't been able to get their nose in front against those teams. I, I do like the way they're playing, though. Like they, they, um, They're starting to flex um, right at the right time. So they can be scary come finals time. Don't worry about that. Absolutely. Yeah, couldn't agree more. It's and Half the battle is just get enough wins to make finals, and then it's the next port of call for those teams that are lucky enough or, or, or good enough to get enough wins to finish in the top four. You do that, you get double chance and the probability of getting to the final big dance and the, winning the whole thing uh, is right in your favour. This is off the text as well. Uh, stoppage fall away at Carlton has mirrored Cripps's form. He is crucial uh, and playing hurt. Obviously didn't play yesterday, but Michael Barley would it fair to say too that the stoppage fell away when oh, the man Barker. sitting next yeah. to us, Johnny Barker, <laughs> well, he was yeah, exited stage pretty... left. Go on, boys. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, uh, well, it's been it's been um, yeah really fallen away since John's uh, seen greener pastures in the business world. He's thinking, you know, football. At the moment, he's liking it behind the mic. Mm. He's really enjoying, mm. yeah, doing a very good job. Comment. Good. Mate, he's got oh, such look. an assuring voice too, John Barker. Mm. When you speak, oh. I I feel safe. Yeah, <laughs> you need to have a chat to my wife. She's, <laughs> she definitely doesn't feel the same way. But look, there's a couple of parts of that in terms of Cripper um, and, and his impact around the stoppage. So he does win a lot of good ball, and, and, and he's you know, like he's one of the best contested players in the comp. He's a beast. We all know that. But even when he's getting um, sat on. 
he creates space for other players. So you, 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 you're still a very effective team because he can, he can pull away. He can create nice little pockets of space for guys like Sam Walsh, mm, yeah. who's obviously who obviously gets the benefit of that. But but you're right. But there's there's also been some some um, some highlights in terms of Matty Kennedy's come in and been able to play a role. Dowie's come in and shown some shown some good patches. So um, they, they can't be too reliant on Cripps um, going forward. And, and I think he needs to play a, a more of a dual role. Like he, he is. He's probably the best stoppage player on the planet, let's be honest. So that, that does have impact. Yeah, and De Conning has carried the ruck mantle now for some time. With you know, he's a young, he's a young player that's finding his way. Um, so those experienced rucks haven't had the continuity in uh, games due to injury. Uh, Trout off the text. If Hawkins didn't tackle and the Saints player held the ball for five seconds longer, is that what we want this game to look like? And a, and a defender just has all the time to find the best option. It's a good point. Uh, well made from Trout in Wood End. He's a staunch Richmond man. Yeah. Uh, so it's got, it takes something quite substantial for Trout to text in about anything other than the Tigers. So I love it, Trout. Thank you. Keep them coming. Can I make a point on to that? That's a point well made by Trout. So is that tackle going to go? Are players going to start to really second guess themselves in terms of making that tackle and with the, the possibility of that impact? Um, the follow-on effect being a hit to the ground. What I am seeing, the David McKay and Hunter Clark incident from earlier in the year. Do you remember that one? The clear, the tribunal oh, where course, yeah. Um, yeah, they meet the ball at the same time and Hunter Clark ends with a broken jaw. I see three or four instances a game, I mean, when I'm watching footy at the moment, where the ball is halfway between two players and it is both slowing right up to the point where it's, mm. you know, it, it, the, the contact is avoided. So that's that's that. I'm actually seeing that tribunal result um, flow on to, to games and contests. Yep. Uh, on a on a gamely basis. Yeah, it's having an impact, and, and you, you see it in the players' craft as well. You see them starting to change the angle in mm. which they're coming at the ball, and and they'll, they'll roll their shoulder and, and protect themselves a little bit more than perhaps they they once have. Um, but the, the rules that protect the head are, are obviously very important. Let's talk about North Melbourne uh, and Sydney yesterday. So you did this game, Michael Barlow, for AFL Nation. Uh, North lost to the Swans by 14 points. Uh, they rested Buddy. So clearly there's an inkling from some clubs that the pre-finals by uh, may be scrapped. Mm. Um, so they're taking measures now to make sure that their key players uh, and, and older players get uh, the rest that they might need. Um, it wasn't all one-way traffic, though. I mean, North Melbourne got back within four points after kicking the first couple uh, of the final quarter. Um what did you make of the game, your overall impressions? Yeah, so Sydney came out and jumped them, essentially. So they've been really poor out of the blocks the week before against the Saints. Saints came and figuratively uh, punched them to the throat last week. So what the Swans did, they said, righto, let's, let's body up here and, and get moving straight away. And that, that's exactly what they did. They came to compete right from the first bounce. Centre clearance just dominated by the Swans early. They were out 7-1 to one at one stage uh, early in the second quarter. I think it was, and that just put the back six of North Melbourne under a huge amount of pressure. It was Tom Papley standing up. Will Haywood kicked three goals. So the spread of performances was the most impressive thing for mine, for Sydney, with the amount of stars and front lines they had out. They had out Mills. They had out Lloyd. They had out Buddy, as you mentioned. So they've got a few players ready to rock and roll and come back in. Unfortunately for the Swans, Nick Blakey went down with a, an ankle injury, was subbed out. And Josh Kennedy, right at the end of the game, did his hamstring or came yeah. off as a hamstring awareness. So, And he was having a, a tremendous game as a high half forward coming up into the stoppage. So what I really liked from Sydney 
was the depth of performance. So Will Haywood, as I mentioned, it was it wasn't just the the usual suspects getting to work and, and, and filling their boots. So it was a really spread performance. North Melbourne, on the other hand, um, show where they're at. They probably played two and a half quarters of football. They were pretty laborious to watch at times. They just try and kick the ball really short and uh, not be too adventurous with ball in hand. So that's their style. It, it held them in the game for, for long chunks, but um, got, got within four points as well. Late third, early fourth, couldn't uh, capitalise and get the result. Hey, Johnny Barker, I'd love to get your thoughts on the North Melbourne rebuild. So this con- this loss consigns them to their first wooden spoon in 49 years. So 1972, the last time that they finished bottom of the ladder. Now, that's not to criticise North Melbourne because I'm an unabashed Dave Noble fan. Yeah. But what I think is, is, is great to keep in the mind if you're a North Melbourne fan, last time you did win a wooden spoon, it was only three years later that you won a premiership in 1975. <laughs> so, hey, look... It's you never know around. what history can can how history can repeat on you. What are you making of North Melbourne at the moment? Oh, look, I love the way they're building, and and obviously, um, Dave Noble's come in with a plan. Mm. Um, it's it's obviously a lot harder through a preseason to to set up the way you play, and then and then try and execute it and and nail it straight away. It does take time against opposition, um, and he's built and built and built, and and you can just see the growth. And uh, it's one of the things I think. You know the, these guys that are experienced that have been around footy a long time that are, that are good man managers, um, obviously connect well with the playing group like the Chris Fagans. They're coming with a legitimate plan, not trying to not trying to press the accelerator too hard, too quick. Mm. Just know that they need to build a program, build a build a plan, a game plan that's going to be successful um, in finals and, and 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 really grow organically. And I, I just I like the way it's I like the way it's unfolding. I know wooden spoons, obviously not what the North Melbourne. Yep. Um, um, supporters want to see or have. Probably one of the best wooden spoons we've yeah, ever seen. Yeah, yeah, you're pr- yeah, you're probably right. And it just shows you how um, close the, the competition is mm. um, when, when the 18th place team is, is sneaking up on some of the better better teams in the comp. What I love seeing was it wasn't going their way in the first half, but the way they got back into the game, they stuck to their guns and they stuck to the style that mm. Dave Noble has just ingrained in them. So watching it live, Nick Del Santo and I, for AFL Nation, like, well, they've got to start to just take their medicine and kick long down the line and, yeah. and just take 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 some easier options rather than the, the chip and, and work the ball up because they were making too many mistakes. But they came out after half time and just started to execute their skill. So that that's David Noble saying yeah, we're, we're going at 45% um, disposal efficiency for the second quarter. So if we just tidy that up, we'll, we'll get ourselves back in the game. We don't have to just scrap our whole um, structure and system um, for for the rest of this game and get back to what we've been doing next week. Great coaching and 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 show, putting faith in the players. We, we've got a we've got a good system. We just got to execute. Uh, great insight from our two experts today for car sales. Anything you ought to know? Uh, John Barker and Michael Barlow. Susan off the text. Hi boys, enjoying the show. Great to listen to John Barker. Remember him playing for the mighty Roy boys. Great Thank feedback you. Feedback for John uh, Barker Roy's today. Loving the work of the one Roy Jay Barker. Uh, we're going to keep uh, we, a couple more texts to get through as well on the other side of this. Don will answer your question uh, in just a moment as well. Uh, we're going to now turn our attention to the game at hand today. Uh, Sydney Swans, by the way, sixth on the ladder at the moment. You'd expect to be that's you'd, that's where you'd expect them to finish um, going into finals with it with a game to play. Melbourne, Adelaide, uh, we'll drill down into this uh, on the other side of the break. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. 
getting uh, their official warm-ups underway for Ream. Steady, hot and strong. Before we talk a little bit more about Melbourne taking on Adelaide today at the MCG, it's time for an odds update thanks to PointsBet. A points bet update. It's shacking easy to bet anytime. Download the points bet app today. Gamble responsibly. Call 1 800 858 858. G'day, punters. Elliot from Points Bet having a look at the game this afternoon. Melbourne versus Adelaide. The D's about as short as you get here. $1.05 with us at Points Bet at the moment. Adelaide, $10 for the win. They're getting a 46.5 point start on the line with us. The D's not that popular here, as you'd expect. Very big head start for the Crows. Quick look at the first goal scorer markets. Ben Brown, first line of betting, along with Bailey Fritch, both $9. Kazai Pickett, 13 and also Christian Petrarca, 13 to keep the first goal with us at points bet this afternoon. Plus, being a Sunday, we've got the same game multi-refund offer. So place a four or more league same game multi with us at points bet. And if one league fails, get your money back in bonus up to $50. T's and C's do apply, so jump onto pointsbet.com.au, download the app, and as always, please gamble responsibly. Good on you, Forbesy. Thanks to Points Bet. Uh, join the Ream AFL tipping competition too while you're at it. Uh, tipping.sen.com. I'll try that again. Tipping.sen.com.au and win big weekly and grand prizes. That's the Ream AFL tipping league. Sam Hargraves, Johnny Barker, Michael Barlow with you today. Uh, just a quick question from Dom off the text uh, for you uh, both. The high fend-off against Zerha awarded by Razor Ray for sending Goulden flying with a forceful palm to the top of the chest. So is that suddenly a new rule in the wake of Toby Green's suspension? Nick, you were at the I game. I feel he got stand him high. Out to you? No, I thought, he got him, I thought he got him high. So it was just the high fend-off, which is yep. pretty standard. Uh, I've got to say, when I was uh, watching Adelaide's game last week and a couple of other games, I was, it's just funny how you, you notice certain things and, and what comes to your attention. I saw at least three forearm fens uh, that found the throttle region of certain players and some not even free kicks paid for. But um, interesting, isn't They're it? They're fending off a lot more. At the, and they would, in more recent years, been practising the fend-off, I'd imagine, yeah. in, in contests, especially mids and, and stoppage craft. Uh, the last night, Ben Cunnington didn't play last night for obvious reasons, but he is brilliant at it. And what I saw is Jai Simpkin is very good at it as well. So he's absorbing the information he's getting from Ben Cunnington on a daily basis and uh, implementing that on game day. Yeah. I, How do you coach th- it? They, they do. They, they coach a lot of trying to drive through tackles. So some, some players will use craft. That'll be a, a fend-off with a hand or a fend-off with, with their forearm. And, and what happens is if, you, if you're too high, you're giving away free kicks. Mm. And I, I just think if you can get them in the chest, play on. Mm. And, and, and there's effective ones. I've got a 10-year-old who, who keeps calling himself Dusty. It doesn't matter for Richmond, but he keeps calling himself Dusty, trying to fend everyone off. Um, and, and so I'm trying to teach him, <laughs> teach him that you can't always fend people off. And when you've got teammates close, Handball give the ball. And also the, their fend... Yeah, you've got to be able to fend and move, don't you, like you said, yeah. JB, in terms of run, move your feet as you've – rather than just backing in the fend, you know, you've got to – if you're moving and fending, then you can escape the tackle with a fair bit more efficiency. Yeah, yeah there's a bit of craft in it. There's no mm-hmm. doubt about it. it you uh, used to be the uh, the head of football at Simon Black Academy in, in Melbourne. Still part of them, yeah. Um, I've watched him teach about – stoppage craft and the ability to separate from the body and I heard him talk about the fact that when you want to push off someone or get past someone or through someone you, you've got to go from around sort of around that chest because chest. It, is that and it's a balance thing isn't it yeah. to try and get them at a point where you can affect their balance the yeah. most one of the greatest uh, students of the game simon black um 
listening to him talk stoppage craft and you know, little nuances to get get an advantage is, is just tremendous. Yeah, it's just all about timing. You know, Blackie not being a, a big guy, but just being a very efficient guy with his body work um, is is the I suppose the example for anyone that it's not all about being big and strong. And it's what's so unique about our game that you have to adapt regardless of what size you are as the pigeons just go absolutely flying as the horn just gets rung. Pre-game show for Beaumont Tiles is done and dusted. Who's going to win this game and why? We'll get our experts to tell you on the other side of the break. It's the D's and the Crows. Beautiful day at the MCG. It's great to have your company with us on AFL Nation. Thanks to Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. You're listening to AFL Nation for the Beaumont Tiles Trade Club. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91.